and uh, welcome to the Undiscovered Decade. Uh, this is a podcast where the four of us look over the movies of the 1990s. Uh, we're currently in April 1991, and uh, we, we try to find some hidden gems along the way. Sometimes we highlight bigger films or films that used to be big and then kind of fell by the wayside. I think this month uh, we're, we're getting into one that people probably forgot almost immediately. Uh, I saw it a bunch as a kid, so I have always known about this film, and uh, I think it holds up. Uh, it's called Toy Soldiers, and it has an all-star cast of, if you're looking at the video, Sean Astin, Will Wheaton, and three other guys. Yeah, right behind Jeff. Yeah. Um, a posse. It also stars Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, it. It takes place in a school, uh, boarding school for boys that Lucas Jr. is the dean uh, and it gets invaded by terrorists from Colombia who take them all hostage. And then they hatch plans to try and escape or stave off the terrorists killing them. Uh, so that's pretty much the plot. Uh, it, it goes ahead and tries to focus for the first half hour showcasing how the the kids are uh going to be able to overcome everything they're ingenious they they know how to they hack a 900 number it's very, yeah, right. it's very, it's very <laughs> yeah. like hogan's hero yeah. it's like one of the like world war ii pow movies but like in a boarding school for boys in 1991 it was a bunch of preppy douchebags at a boarding yeah. school let's yeah. be honest everybody was trying to follow the diehard format so this is like diehard in a dormitory yeah right uh, it is interesting. I, I, I was thinking of saving this for the end, but when looking this up to do information on it, there is another film called Toy Soldiers, I think from 1982 or 84. There's a few, actually. It's the first movie Tim Robbins was ever in, but it has a similar plot where a bunch of kids, they're on vacation in this, they go to, I don't remember if it was Colombia or somewhere else, they just say South America, and they get taken hostage there by terrorists and have to figure out how to escape. And there's someone else from outside that comes down to help them that's one of their friends. So well, it's kind of like Rambo with boarding school kids. This was based on a book though, wasn't it? I believe so, so yeah. Is it just oh. like, was that other one based off of the same source material? Doing Didn't find any other source material for that first one. It was just like an action of the week thing. So. The, the linchpin for this is this guy over uh, Jeff Shoulder now, uh, Andrew Divoff, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yes. Might dive off. Okay. Um, he plays the head Colombian terrorist uh, who is seeking to rescue his father from jail. Yeah, his, da his dad was extradi extradited to uh, American prison for like, you know, drug and uh, whatever cartel related thing. Yeah, cartel related whatever stuff. So like he was extradited from uh, Colombia to America. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, he's trying to like get his dad released from like the Colombian uh, justice system. But like the judge is like, uh, yeah, no, we uh, we secretly sent him to America. And he's like, you lie. Then he turns on the news and finds out his dad's in America. So it's like, OK, looks like I got to go to America to rescue my dad. They don't. Oh, I was going to say it. it why he takes over the boarding school, but it's because um i believe the judge's nephew someone's nephew is oh, going to the boarding school. what happened is uh um when it wasn't the nephew it was a son of a um 
district judge like an an american judge or something like a, a an american supreme court justice or something like that somebody involved in the american justice system that was going to uh reside over uh the terrorist uh dad's case the good news is they got ahead of the terrorists and and took the boy out of the school so he wouldn't get this situation yeah. where they could come get him yeah but downside is the prep school has a bunch of other high valued like targets because like yeah the, all these other kids are sons of like you know high-ranking people in society including a mob boss and um so like this uh this uh villain was like you know what i could work with this it's still a hostage situation i'm still gonna get what i want yeah i had forgotten that aspect of it so i kind of like the way that they play it because you see this happening you're like okay they saved this kid why why is this you know the plot going in why are they gonna take over the school and hold on to it so it's actually a good idea to not really let us know that these kids have high profile people as well someone that's like basically a morgan stanley ceo's son someone that's in the senate has a son there uh and then there's one the will wheaton character is the son of a mafioso played uncredited by uh jerry orbach wait he was uncredited uncredited yeah what not in the beginning of the he was just doing it as a side project on the weekend yeah. he's like you know i like this script yeah so it's kind of neat for that because then no one going in would expect jerry orbach to be there <laughs> right where's jennifer gray he's menacing yeah right he's gonna he's gonna put will wheaton in a corner um nobody puts will wheaton in the corner but no you uh, know to, to be totally honest man. looking at this movie i'm like i'm pretty sure jk rowling stole the battle of hogwarts sequence from this and based it on probably <laughs> it's that but with magic yeah 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 i, I like that analogy well i like that you brought up there were definitely Dibble. some parallels let me tell you i mean look mm -hmm. at this guy Dibble really steals the movie mm -hmm. yeah and it's weird they always cast them in like quasi-ethnic roles so you're not quite sure like he's uh He's Colombian in this. I think he's a uh, he's almost like Native American in uh, another Forty Eight Hours. Mm -hmm. And then in the Wishmaster, he's a Jin, so he's mm -hmm. genie. He's, he's also, which is funny, the plot of Air Force One is that Gary Oldman wants to rescue, I think, his brother from jail in the same fashion that Louis Calley wants to rescue his father. Yeah. And in that, Andrew Divoff is one of his henchmen. He's the first one that uh, Harrison Ford dispatches on the plane. I think he's in Die Hard 2, which has a similar plot. I think so, yeah. He's yeah. just a so guy he's, that he's works. Typecasting. He, he works <laughs> yeah. It's like, you look like a terrorist. You should be a terrorist in he's every just, movie. He's just got one of those faces, you know, you can kind of pass for a couple Looks different you know, light-skinned terrorists. This was obviously the first thing I saw him in, because I saw this when it almost came out, on, I think, on TV. So I saw this when I was six or seven, even oh, with wow. all this gore. Um... <laughs> But I knew him from Lost. He plays an, an eye patch wearing Russian scientist that is holding the base from uh, the people that land, well, crash in the plane. So he, he becomes an informant between them and the others and stuff. So he's a Russian in that. Yeah, see? Um, I have one fun fact about him. I don't know if anyone happened to see coming across uh, info for this, but when he was cast in another 48 hours, he was taking a vacation in Berlin and the Berlin Wall was falling. So he gets a call. You've been cast as that biker 
you're going to be in this film. And he's like, fantastic. And he goes out that night and they're tearing the wall down. So he participates in the tearing down of the Berlin wall. <sighs> nice. I just thought it was cool because we started the whole podcast talking about like world events. And that was one of the first ones that we mentioned was going to happen in 1990. Yeah. So that's where he was that year. <laughs> it was just like, you know, just celebrating as well for a totally different reason. Yeah. It's like, normally I play a terrorist, but now <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. I'm saving East Berlin. Yeah, so. Now I'm a liberator. Guys have an interesting life. That's crazy. It's funny. Uh, this is like a, probably the first David Kep or David Cap screenplay that it's I'm aware of. It's his first solo screenplay. He had done a couple other things, but with the directors, so, uh, and I think we all know who David Kep is. Uh, Jurassic Park. Writer of Jurassic Park. Uh, he directed a couple things like Secret Window, even if that's not your yeah. cup of tea or anything. Ghost he, Town, which is really yeah. good. Premium yeah. Rush. Yeah. Um, Stir of Echoes was... Oh, great movie. His second film. He did one that's not really well known. I forget the name, but... Trigger uh, Effect? That's it. Yeah, Trigger Effect. Um... But this was probably his biggest break right before Jurassic Park. I know he does Death Becomes Her in between this and Jurassic Park. So he's like ramping up to what will be his biggest thing. Right. Yeah. Well, it, you can see why this got him a lot of notice though, because they take like a bunch of different elements, like Jimmy said from the POW movies, the Die Hard formula, and even just like coming of age, like teen dramas. And they all mix it together. And surprisingly, it works. Uh, it's funny. Jeff posted something earlier this week about movies, favorite movies that have premises that shouldn't work and actually do. This could qualify. Like on paper, this sounds like it could go horribly awry. Especially today with everyone having cell phones. Jimmy said immediately, like, this would be already on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Like, every, like everybody that's being held hostage is like, yeah. boom. Yeah. So, you know, what, what we're saying is, like, let us be involved in the remake because we've got some ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great scene where uh, uh, Sean Astin almost is like Steve McQueen. He's got to go under the wire for a mm -hmm. little bit and come back out. Yeah. He actually pulled off a pretty good performance, I think. Uh, you know, he, he does Rudy a year or two later, and we knew him from The Goonies. That was obviously his first role, his breakout role and everything. All these kids have something like that. Will Wheaton has Stand By Me. Uh, even the the blonde kid that is uh, Keith Coogan. He was yeah. in uh, uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Jackie so they're all coming off of something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but Sean Astin actually is believable as like the cool kid that gets everyone alcohol and can go out and fend off terrorists trying to rescue an entire school. So. I, he's believable here. Rambo high. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was he was good. They were all really good. I just didn't, you know, for for a while I thought Keith Coogan was was like Paul Dano, but I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> he's not that old. Don't feel bad. I thought I recognized him from something else. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything else. And then the other one I thought was Corey, one of one of the Corys. Oh yeah. Um, it looked like Feldman. What's that? It looked like Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like almost Feldman. 
but not. I'm like, do they want to get Corey Feldman? And then like, no, I think they did. So, actually. They so it was a them audition. Quasi Corey. I think he auditioned. Yeah. So they were like, we're just gonna get someone that looks like you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had that bonding moment, that that quasi homoerotic bonding moment where they're all their underwear. That was an interesting thing. They just don't give a shit. So like one of them's just in their underwear talking, hatching plans to get the terrorist later. I mean, it's, it's a sex appeal for like the uh, Hollywood pedophile uh, circles. Oh boy. We're, we're talking about or, the Corys. I don't know if we want to- We're not going down this rabbit hole. Or, or, or like, uh, you know, to get the high school honeys to be like, oh, look at those boys in their underwear. So it was like- You know what's interesting? You know who kind of plays against type? Um, Lou Gossip Jr. plays against type because you'd think he'd be like frothing, frothing from the mouth, like really um, strict with these kids. But he actually is very compassionate towards the kids, and he has he has a good rapport actually with uh, Sean Astin and some of the other kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's the intermediary between the kids and the police. Well, and it's also fun with his character, like like one of the pranks they pull on him, where they take all of his like office uh, furniture and put it outside. He he actually like outwardly around the students like you guys come on you gotta get get your shit together but inwardly when he's talking to another teacher he was like that was actually a good prank that was like <laughs> yeah kind of kind of dig that like the office is outside wouldn't mind working outside today but gotta gotta look like a man in charge today so get it in you know who that guy is right the other teacher no it's uh, Denholm Elliott, who uh, he's the headmaster. Um, Indiana Jones. He's the guy that's uh, Indy's friend. Oh, what? Professor. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, he, he, sh yeah. he shows up in um, the third one, going on the adventure with him and uh, John Reese davies So this was his second to last film. He's in Noises Off before oh. he passes away. But he's still uh, killing it right there. So, yeah, I really liked his uh, rapport with the kids. Like, he's show when they're trapped and they're allowed to go off in the quad denholm elliott stayed behind to make sure there was an adult with the kids and uh he's sitting around a group of kids and he's showing them a book and he's like this is something they don't appreciate yeah it's like this will last forever yeah it was a good cut it was a nice little uh thing and then midway through the movie spoiler hmm. but um they kill a kid yeah which i didn't expect right i mean I remember that. I didn't remember whether Denholm Elliott died. It seemed like that could have been plausible, like he jumps in front of a kid or something. Right. Or says, take me instead of them. Well, they, uh, at the beginning so of the movie, at the beginning of the movie, during like uh, the uh, Colombian trial that gets interrupted by the terrorists, like they kill, they kill a, uh, the first hostage they kill is a woman. Right. And the second, second person they kill is the judge. And then like, uh, skip. See the blood. <laughs> yeah. And then like, uh, so they they already set the tone like these these uh these terrorists are they're ruthless because right. like they don't have a problem with killing like a woman and then you know it's a judge like like that's a person uh, an authority so like whatever then you skip ahead uh, after we get like the introduction of the uh, kids at school um one of the terrorists like uh, they shoot at a kid that's trying to call for uh, nine one one like they have payphone booths yeah I initially thought the kid died but then like uh, what happened was like. The dude like shot at the kid but like i guess like try to get him away like the kid like ducked down uh, i thought he died but like he didn't um so like he scared the kid into not making the call and then a police uh, not police uh, a teacher another another faculty member showed up like whoa 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 he gets shot so like the kill count at that point is like 
a lady, a judge, or they, a they teacher. They shot the security guard at the front of the school. Oh, yeah, and a security guard in front of the school. So that's yeah. four people. And they were very uh, visceral deaths. So. Yeah, and then like, yeah. um, then finally, like later on in the movie, like in terms of innocent uh, bystanders, uh, finally the one student, the one kid, he gets Elite. killed. Yeah, and then uh, then the rest of the deaths are the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe a couple soldiers. But that that mm -hmm. made a point to show that they weren't necessarily interested in killing the children, but they would kill any adult that got in their way. Yeah. Sure. And, and as immediate as possible, they're not taking any uh, chances. So it's probably the movie made the kids old enough where it wasn't uh, child exploitation. Yeah. Yeah, or like a home alone situation. Right. Because <laughs> <clears throat> it still had a little bit of like technical ingenuity like um they know how to wire the uh drone toy uh, yeah. they know how to oh. they, they know how to communicate without having to um use cell phones obviously a, a little uh, a little back to like will wheaton's character like he did a little bit of a Chekhov's gun sort of like because earlier in the movie when they got like get taken hostage like he points out like hey we could jump them take their guns and like fuck their shit up and kill them, right? Yeah. And then later on in the movie, he attempts that and fails miserably. <laughs> yes. So it shows you that it won't work. Yeah. So, and he's the best choice to do that because he's the one, they set it off where he is the son of uh, Jerry Orbach's mafioso. And he keeps saying, I hate my dad. I don't condone what he does. I know what he does. There is no hiding it. I'm here because I had to get away from him and I refuse to be near him. And his father loves him and he's like, I'll do whatever it takes. And he, he makes a deal to get Louis Calley's father out of jail. And that backfires because well, his he son doesn't make doesn't... a deal. Like he makes a deal, like he's like, Hey, I'll owe you something if you if you release my son. Yeah, but he was trying to get the guy out of jail, right? No, no, he had nothing to do with oh, it. Okay. Like he was just like, Hey, I'm a mafioso, your dad's a cartel. Anywho. If you get my son out of this situation, <clears throat> we'll we'll like I'll owe you something in the down the road. Point is, Will Wheaton doesn't want any of it. So yeah. it's, it's the perfect person to do that because if they killed, like, the Mexican kid, like, there's no stakes there necessarily. There's yeah. no uh, backstory as, as deep as uh, Will Wheaton's character. So. And like the funny thing is like uh, when Will Wheaton's character dies, like it was kind of an accident because the one he was killed by one of the guards, like one of the terrorist guards and like the, uh, the leader, what was his name? Louis Kelly. Louis Kelly. Like, leader was like, why'd you kill him? Like, you weren't supposed to kill him now. Like, now we're in trouble, like, with the mob. Uh, and then, like, later on, when uh, the mob boss finds out his son is dead, it's like, there's no such thing as accidents. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. movie takes a turn. Yeah. It does, it does provide a way that they won't ever succeed because then Jerry Orbach kills Louis Kelly's father in jail. He has... Yeah people take him out yeah he has a, like a prison riot and in the middle of the prison riot they just <clears throat> and so, so now there's nothing else to do it's just that's the school yeah so it, it ramps things up quickly it never feels like it's plotting through the plot where how are they going to escape are they going to attempt and then fail it's not even an escape attempt that will wheaton has it's just his idea will not work and and it forces the finale to launch into action so yeah. Speaking of Lou Gossett, I, I was kind of surprised how little he was actually in. They set him up a lot in the beginning, and then he's just kind of stuck on the outside. And even when he comes back in, he's helping one of the uh, rescuers limp along 
to the finale, and he only shows up right at the end yeah. to distract uh, Louis Kelly. I'm actually surprised that like the detail <laughs> of a boarding school is like involved so much in the planning of like dealing with the terrorists. Like, uh-huh. like yeah. he's he's at like all the big uh, all the big meetings uh, between like you know the FBI, the uh, military, and also like the military general that's like being played played by played by uh, Arlie Ermey. Mm-hmm. So like he's right. in there. So like he's at the table with those guys and all the like students' parents are like, what do we do? And the journalist is like, what are you gonna do? And he's like, well, you see, it's like, why are you talking? Like you got the FBI, <laughs> you got the military, yeah. you're the dean. Why are you so important all of a sudden? Yeah. Oh, there's a good poster. Oh wow. I didn't see that. Oh wow, that is a pretty good poster. It almost looks like everything else just yeah everything else just looks like some derivative of uh the yeah. outsiders but this one actually looks like kind of reminds me of um the warriors a little bit because it's painterly oh uh, yeah 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 um i'll post this in the uh <clears throat> actual post so you guys can see it that are just listening um you know, I think I like this movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. It holds up a lot. Yeah. Oh, matter of fact, if anybody wants to go on the website, I wrote an underrated gems article about it. But uh, yeah, I'll tag that in there too. But uh, yeah, I I uh, I was surprised that within the formula, like I said, of like a diehard in a whatever boarding school, yeah. it, it um it finds innovative ways of innovative and plausible ways of playing with that formula to modernize it and not make it um the the action isn't gratuitous it's not like they're going around shooting kids all the time uh, yeah. and the kids are uh the kids aren't too resourceful where it's like uh come on guys this doesn't make any sense um like you said, like they try to thwart the terrorists at one point and he fails. He barely gets back for the afternoon head count. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that scene. That was the biggest thing I remembered happening yeah. from when I watched this as a kid. So I, I, it holds up as well as a, as a tense sequence. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would probably give it a B plus. Yeah. Yeah. I might actually give this like an A minus. I'm I'm really surprised that this holds up. I, it's not streaming on anything right now, unfortunately. At least when we were supposed to watch it for this recording. Not for free anyway. Yeah. Um, I paid three ninety nine to watch right. it. Right. And so what I had to do so Jimmy and I could watch it was actually just buy the DVD. I was like, if I'm gonna pay for this like Jeff did, I might as well just get a copy because I think I like it, but I haven't seen it since like ninety two, ninety three. But I, I'm glad I have it. I'll watch this again. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll give this movie a uh, solid A. Yeah. Nice. Did you say a great Jeff? Uh, we'll probably no, Jeff did not. Plus. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, but I liked it. Yeah. I like. I liked it. Not. Not my fave, but you know, it definitely. You... It's no King of New York. Right. <laughs> what do I mean? Yeah. No. That's a, that's a. That's a that's a whole other tier. What would you think would be uh, off about this? Then I'm just it's, curious. Like I want to. I feel like they were trying to do too much. Like I know that they were trying to bring it back to Earth and give it more heart. Like it, it was almost like they were trying to do Dead Poets Society, but with Guns. you know Colombian terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> what a pitch! And, 
that was what felt off about it mm-hmm. um you know there were there were certain things that you know i know were were meant to be more tragic than they came off because it seemed like i don't know it there were just some things that were out of step but it wasn't a bad movie it, it was just i mean you know it's, it's, it's a kitchen sink movie for sure yeah, it's a it's a pots and pans. Disparate elements. Pots and pans movie. Yeah, exactly, Jim. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's much else to say about it. It's just a fun little film. I mean, even oh, the, fun the, little the trivia. Movie. Most of the trivia is just like this person is this person's son. I'm like, oh, okay, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because uh, the blonde kids, like you mentioned earlier, I don't know if I accidentally talked over you, uh, is Jackie Coogan's grandson. Yeah. Is he a little rascal? Is that who Jackie Coogan is? Yes. Yeah. No, was he? I thought no. Yeah, he, was, he was also wasn't he Uncle Fester? In the Adams no, that's John Aston. No, John Aston was good. Uh, John Aston. They were both in. They were both in the Adams family. That's that was the trivia okay. thing. Was was both. Oh, okay. You know. Sean. I didn't realize John Aston's Gomez. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Um. But speaking of which, that's the thing. Sean Aston is uh, John Aston's stepson, which we were trying to figure out. There was a whole thing where his mother um, didn't actually say who the father was at first. So Desi Arnaz was going to step in and say he was the father. And oh people were trying to be honorable back then. It's just like she had a kid. She wanted a kid. And then she ended up with John Aston and he adopted Sean. Right. And so they he be, he for all intents and purposes was his father and raised him pretty much from a single digit age and uh sean i know in interviews that said he looks at john as his father he met his real father eventually i forget who that is but it is another actor and uh not desi ernest but Eddie Fisher. yeah right <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like you're disappointing <laughs> Yeah, but no, apparently he had a final relationship, but like he looks to John Aston as his real father, you know. It's weird because I looked at the two of them and I didn't even know this piece of trivia and I thought they looked similar. That's what I thought as a kid. I remember learning this when um, mom and I would watch The Addams Family and uh, some other things. She was a big fan of uh, Sean Aston's mother, whose name I'm forgetting because she was in The Miracle Worker. Uh, so she told me that when I was a kid and we're like, yeah, I thought they were related. And she's like, yeah, I know, their ears. <laughs> yeah. So, That's weird. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else. Who was your favorite character? I remember as a kid, it was Will Wheaton because I was real broken up that he dies. Oh, because he doesn't know how to handle a submachine gun. Yeah. <laughs> what oh yeah, that's okay. So like, so the use of the weapons in the movies fairly like that most for the most part like man the, the guns they shoot blah blah blah. But like when Will Wheaton grabs the submachine gun from one of the terrorists and like goes to kill one. Like he's shooting, and then all of a sudden it's in the air like crazy. He's like, first of all, that gun shoots like a nine millimeter bullet. Like it should stay like on point. Like there should be a little kick, not so out of control as up in the air. And that's how he dies. Because like he failed miserably at and he was full of rage and agony, James. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but like <laughs> yeah. Uh he didn't care where he was shooting, he was just mad. His dad. Also, he wasn't maybe he wasn't even trying to like 
do anything probably, to them. He was. Maybe, maybe, I don't think he was trying this, to. This is how we got to go out, man. He probably doesn't know how to handle a gun. I mean, yeah, he was like, even though, like, that's wait, isn't I'm he a mobster's son? The, the recoil from yeah, that gun that do that, like, go yeah. up in the air like this, yeah. and like he's holding down the trigger while it's still going off. Like at some point, you gotta let go so that way you can, like, get back on target. But no, he just he didn't have control. Like I think he deserved to die. Excellent squib effects. Actually, yeah, when he runs out of school, he gets he gets shot. And then when Lewis Kelly gets shot in the head at the end, I was like, that was good. Oh yeah, that was a good makeup effect. I I did not feel bad for Will Wheaton this time around. He he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. It had it had real real uh, Chris Duquette on the slide in Ninja Attack vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. What do you think I got that? Right. That, that was your Not homage to Toy Soldiers. Yes, <laughs> everything in Ninja Attack is an homage to a better film. <laughs> These great people are gonna be looking up Ninja Attack. I'm like, why can't I watch? It's online. Yeah, it's on YouTube. We'll have, well, a, we'll have a special release for yeah. the 25th anniversary. Yeah. When you do a commentary track in a retrospective, we're, doing, we're, we're, we're working on it. Okay. We'll get there. Do you, uh, do you guys want to hear the uh, Lou Gossett story or is that? Yeah, you tell Lou Gossett's story about how you met him. Yeah, yeah. Do it. No, no, go ahead. By all so, means. It's a good story. It's not that crazy, but um, I was working on a film. I will leave the name out so that producers don't get mad. Um, but what date is it? Hmm? What date was it? It's like 2012. It it came out like, or no? You can narrow it down. It and it didn't really come out anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but he's he's basically the teacher at a dance school. He used to be a famous tap dancer, and his brother had a theater that they would tap dance at. And the whole plot is a kid who's going to the school sees him teaching dance and wants to learn and. They end up um, reviving the theater. The kid inspires him to reconnect with his brother and, and save the theater. Uh, so the first scene Lou Gossett Jr. is filming, he's, he's this teacher. Um, Lou is supposed to be in a basement, like trying to find his brother who's living in the basement of the theater. So we were filming him walking down a hallway. That's all it was really. And, and one other scene where he like runs into the kid or the kid goes with him to see the brother. And so we're in the basement of an actual school in Brooklyn and he gets downstairs. Now at the time he's like 75. And so he's not great on stairs anymore and there's no elevator and he gets downstairs and I'm the PA at the end of the hallway, just to like make sure no one comes down the stairs once we start filming and he says, hey, where's the bathroom? And I'm like, it's three floors up. And he's like, okay. And steps in a side room. And I'm like, I got to go figure out how we get Lou back upstairs. So I walked away to try and ask someone like, Do, is there another one down here? Do we have anything? I turned back around. He's like, it's taken care of. I peed in that trash can. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay, problem solved. I don't have to ask anybody anything. So. So that's and how were, I were you then the PA that had to throw it out the window? No, that, no. that room was not used, so we just oh. kind of tucked it in the corner. So he was the PA. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that's how I forced Lou Gossett Jr. to pee in a bucket. 
Well, you didn't really force him. Like, you put him in a situation where he had to. Yeah, he figured you're it out. Like, you were like, you won't piss in this bucket. This is the worst song <laughs> yet. Yeah. Uh, later on, the janitor at the night, uh, during the night, was like, why does it smell like piss in here? Why does it smell like Lou Gossett Jr.'s piss in here? <laughs> yeah. This is Oscar-winning piss. <laughs> so he puts it in a jar and sells it all. Okay, that took, that's too far. Uh, <laughs> and we're done. It's too far, he puts it in a jar, keeps it at home and worships it. Oh, my God. Okay, we're going to move that's on. That's too far. What else came out this month? <laughs> yeah. How, how, how did April 1991 go, Corey? Uh... Actually, it's a, it's a pretty uh, Spartan month. Not a lot came out. Uh, <clears throat> the Marrying Man came out, which is a Neil Simon movie with uh, Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, his real-life beau. And as with most movies where real-life couples are in the movie, they exhibit no chemistry. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, the movie is pretty bad. It's kind of lethargic. It's trying to do that rat tat tat uh, like forty catalog, yeah. yeah. But um, it they sadly Alec Baldwin just can't pull it off, and it's this is during that time where he's trying to be like a matinee idol before he became a character actor. Which he had the looks. He has the looks. Not the talent. Yeah. He eventually figured it out. He's a good character actor. That's handsome. Right. So that came out. Uh, one of the better Steven Seagal movies, Out for Justice, came out, which has Jerry Orbach actually as his commanding officer. Ah, this is interesting. I was going to mention a little bit of the box office we never got to. It, Toy Soldiers came in, I think, fourth, maybe third, but it was third of the new releases, and Out for Justice is the one that got number one. Okay. So, uh, 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 Depending on who you talk to, this might be Steven Seagal's best movie after uh, Under Siege. Uh, I like it a lot. The only, the only problem is he completely annihilates the main villain at the end. The guy doesn't have a chance because it's um it's William Forsyth and he's no physical match for Steven Seagal. So Steven Seagal just pretty much manhandles him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, Drop Dead Fred came out this month. Which oh, is- I love that. That was one. Of my- say, I, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that and Toy Soldiers were two of the films that I saw when I was a kid. Yeah. Um. Pretty risky for a. Uh, a kids movie you might say mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things that might be considered inappropriate now i remember years ago they were talking about doing a remake with russell brand thank yeah. god that didn't get off the ground he has the look but i would not like that movie <laughs> no they already ruined um, her a little bit i haven't seen it since it came out i remember enjoying it enough i don't know how it would hold up nowadays that's kind of why I wanted to watch it for this to see if it held up. I'm happy with Toy Soldiers. I don't think I would be with Drop Dead Fred. No. But that is the first thing I saw Carrie Fisher in. Oh, nice. She plays, uh, who, who's the main girl in Drop Dead Fred? Phoebe Cates. So she's Phoebe Cates' best friend. And I thought Carrie Fisher was the coolest in Drop Dead Fred. So when it, she turns out to be like the most, one of the most important figures in cinema because yeah. of Star Wars, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Kiss Before Dying came out this week. That's I the other meant- one that was in between Out for Justice and, and Toy Soldiers. Yeah, I meant to watch this, but uh, they took it off HBO Max before I got a chance. They're always doing that. Yeah. HBO Max keep retain things from longer than a month. Yeah. But uh, actually, 
apparently not a very good movie. I think um, Sean Young got nominated for a Razzie for this. So, not a great film. I who who was the it. guy? Was it Matt Dillon? Oh, yeah, I think it's Matt Dillon. Oh, since we, since we talked about his brother last month. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to Poster Boy. Like I said, not a big yeah. month. We're already ready for you, Chef. Look at that. You look so ready. You look, you look, you look, you look, you look over there. Back you look away. All right. Here we go. Let me just share my screen, not my photos. Oh, look at that. I was doing research. All right. Here we go. I left <laughs> the bottom tagline in because that doesn't give anything away, really. There is a there is an interesting tagline above the title, but if you could describe the poster for us. All right, so we've got a dude who looks to be in an '80s Wall Street outfit with suspenders and everything, um, dangling from a broken Big Ben-sized clock on the side of a building, presumably in New York, because that's the, there's a watercolor silhouette skyline in the back that looks to be New York. Um, so I'm guessing this is some sort of Wall Street comedy. There's a tagline below the, the title saying, in crime and comedy, timing is everything. See, it's a nice pun, but it doesn't tell you anything. No, it doesn't. Now, given this, uh, I kind of want to try and do what we did last time where you come up with a better film. Um, what would you do hard. poster and from what you've gathered what would you give this plot or make this plot uh i mean usually anyone grabbing a clock there's some sort of like time travel involved or something like this guy <laughs> suddenly knows how to he's running out of time he looks pretty tough like, fly. he figures out how to like extend the work day by four hours to become a capitalist hero. Oh yes! And like again, he made a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then his son grows up to be Jeff Bezos or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to make. The, we need to catalog these and like. Can we start writing down his ideas? Right. Yeah. Them? yeah, yeah. I'm gonna because I've been I've been editing Even these ideas to Hollywood now. Yeah, right. Defending Your Life was a better movie. The one you came up with. So. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just like this guy's probably um, he doesn't have he's got like one last shot at his job. Like he's been he's been messing up for weeks, months, companies losing money. He's like, all right, I got one more. I have one more big trade in me. I'm not sure what it actually is. Corey, Corey knows. Uh, is that close at all? He's, he's nowhere. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let me what try to give you. Honestly, that clock, I don't even know why it's even on the poster. Oh, interesting. Um, I could give you something else. I don't think you need to say a title yet. So why don't I give you the tagline? Okay. And then you should also ask him who he thinks that is. The other. Yeah, that's next. My okay. The the new tagline. Uh, gangster snaps provolone. Has until noon to become an honest man. Okay. That's what Snaps we went with the plot first, because that's okay. the plot. <laughs> right. Like you're he, not going to get it from the title. Why until noon? Does this become another like? 
is this another like he knows he's going to die, so he's trying to like fix stuff, or is he like, you know, he's he's going to become, he'll either be a made man or a dead man by noon, depending on how well this thing goes over. Um, honestly, my first guess as to who it is, David Hasselhoff. Oh, nice. But, um, judging by that hair, I'm going to say Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> That would have been good. Yeah. Would that be better? Or a time period, I guess. I'll give you one more chance, but I'll also say this is a person that wasn't doing a lot of comedy. Okay. And this was in the 90s, right? 91. 91. Right. Okay. Um, star, but he was still kicking around through the 90s. He still had plenty of stuff. Al Pacino. <laughs> oh, he looks way too tall for Al Pacino. Not a bad guess, though, based on the hair. I don't know. And what he would do. Here you go. This is who it is. Are you? Oh, don't. Oh, what? Whoa. Yep. Mr. Stallone. <laughs> yep. What? Sly himself. Huh? Yeah. yeah so, that so, has got to be the most bizarre. He snaps Provolone. Now that you know this, but that the face. Title, the title is way too generic, so you're not really ever gonna just get it. So why don't you come up with Sylvester Stallone in Out of Time? I don't know. What 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 would you call this just based on what you know the plot is now? Lunchtime rush. What's something that's a big cheese? Based on all of this, I'm gonna say Razzy. Oh Lunchtime in Gangland. It's like five letters. But what's an award that he's won? I have no idea. No, nah, come on, you should know this. I, <laughs> I see the video. Oscar, Oscar? is it called Oscar? There you go. <laughs> it tells you nothing. No, nope. this this honestly looks like it could be a, a Disney family comedy with a musical involved. <laughs> yeah, like with this poster and that, like. <clears throat> And I would love to see Sylvester Stallone in a Wall Street Disney comedy. Yeah. Okay. So is that pretty much the plot, Corey? No. Okay. <laughs> so the plot is he's um he's a gangster. Obviously, you can tell the quality of the jokes by the name Provolone, which they use yeah. in the movie. Um, it's actually a remake of a 1967 uh, French film. Um, oh. Yeah, John Landis directed this. What was the original film? What's the original? It's also called Oscar. Oh. Um, but this is like obviously a departure for Stallone because he was doing a lot of action movies around this time. So this is like around the time of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. He thought he could do screwball comedy. He, uh, he plays this gangster who tells his father on his dying bed, which is Kirk Douglas in a cameo, that he'll give up the life of crime and become an honest businessman. And I guess, I don't remember a race against time element that he has to do this in a certain amount of time in the movie because the movie stretched out to two hours. <laughs> but um, I guess it's him trying to uh, go legit, get his uh, daughter married. And um, this other guy's blackmailing him and the cops are on his tail, but they never say he has to do it by noon. I don't know what where that element came from. 
but uh, it's got a pretty good cast. Uh, I think it's Marissa Tomei's first movie or one of her first movies. She plays his daughter. Um, cool. Uh, Tim Curry plays her, um, her like elocution coach. Uh, That's funny. Peter Riegert's in it. Uh, Chaz Palminteri. They play his goons. Yeah. Even even the timing for the uh, for the dialogue is a little like off key. It's a fourth movie. Yeah, there's a few scenes where you're like, I could see why this dialogue should have been snappy, but it's yeah. you know very. <laughs> right. Is that why? Yeah. Is that why he was snaps? Snaps. Yeah. He always had a witty comeback. Not gonna lie, I don't really think of Sylvester Stallone as like snappy and witty most of the time. I, I wonder if in interviews, but not in them. Yeah. The next thing Marissa Tomei does is my cousin Vinny, which is I wonder why people were like, why did she get an Oscar? She's the daughter from Oscar. Yeah, right. Well, that was yeah, the thing. She's actually pretty annoying in the movie. Yeah. I was I was going back to your your hint about like movies. He's he's won. He never won an Oscar. Did yes, he? he did. No, he sure. he was nominated for. Did he win? He won something for Rocky, actually. He won, an, he won a lifetime achievement award for the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. But didn't he win in a? Wait a second. I don't think he won an Oscar. I the screenplay one. Yeah, but I don't think that was him. He didn't. I don't he wrote he... the script. Did he? Yeah. For Oscar. I'm looking at my. Oh, not Oscar. He didn't write. No, for. Uh... <laughs> No, he was a he was a nominee for Rocky. I thought, sorry, I thought he won. Yeah, he only he was nominated for the original screenplay. He was nominated for best actor and then best supporting actor for Creed. Yeah, I thought okay. I thought he won for screenplay. No, I'm trying oh, to get because you got Stallone in your head as a winner. You know, he, won. he is a winner. He should have won. It was intended. Network Patty Chayefsky. Uh, okay, fair enough. That's fine. <laughs> I guess. It's the second best. Of the like well written. Sorry, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna enjoy this moment for a second because I, I got to correct Corey on something. <laughs> wow. Oh, ba bask in this glory for now, buddy. Oh, it, it'll never happen story, again. So. I'm just gonna enjoy. <laughs> so I was anyway. thinking out. <laughs> um, I had an idea of what we could do for um, our picks of the month, and pretty much I was like films with a hostage situation best 80s movies since we're not really ever going to go back into the 80s but we talk about it all the time because it just happened yeah here's an idea that Corey uh, said earlier in the podcast that gave me an idea favorite kitchen sink film something that takes place in one location the whole time oh bottle that film. what you mean by kitchen sink because no i meant like kitchen throw sink everything they throw, they throw a bunch of elements together you're right uh. you're right i mixed it up with bottle episode Okay, so like a bottle film you're talking but about. But that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, favorite bottle episode. Uh, we can pause and then star wipe if we want a second to think about it. <laughs> right. Ooh, yeah, you or you just keep rolling because I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, I, 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 I can tell you right now. I got nothing. You can throw that. that in after. Um, hang on. Like the whole movie takes place in one uh... Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> Does a whole island count? Yes. Jurassic Park. <laughs> You're definitely oh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 17 locations within the island. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I said the whole island. You didn't correct me. Yeah, they were going to say Shutter Island, which would also be yeah. good. Uh, Actually, that's a really good option. Uh, it, honestly, it, has way. it has flashbacks out to Massachusetts. I'm going to have to go with Does that still count if there's flashbacks? Yeah, but there aren't in Jurassic Park. Oh, and they are in other locations. They go. They start yeah. in other places. You know what? Rashomon. There you go. That takes oh, place. Yeah, that takes place at a. Uh... It's actually a really good one. Yeah, that no, that's wow. like one. Of the yeah, that's good. Yeah. Damn it! Now I wish I had thought of that. Yeah, like <laughs> probably be start talking about this. Like, like that would like, probably be my number one. Like, like ideas for like what constituted as a uh, kitchen sink move or like bottle, 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 yeah, bottle, bottle you Like you messed me up, but like yeah, yeah no. Well, uh, Rashomon, because like uh, everything, even, everything outside of the uh, court area is like flashbacks. Even then, Toy Soldier starts in Colombia. It just mainly takes place in the the boarding school. Yeah. So, just do host- You should have went with the hostage ones because that'd be. Easy. What's What's your favorite hostage movie then? I mean, Air Force One's pretty damn good, but obviously, Mine, Die Hard's number one. Yeah. Mine actually falls in in both categories. I was going to go with the first Saw movie. Oh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, in that case, I kind of like um, Inside Man. That kind of goes with both. Good it's man. not hostages, but it's like a bank heist that all takes place in the one location. You guys are picking good stuff. <laughs> Putting you on the spot now. You made me think of it with Die Hard. It I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre basically takes place in the farmhouse for the most part it does, yeah and the surrounding fields but yeah she's stuck in there until she eventually escapes at the end that's a good one so texas chainsaw massacre rashomon uh inside man and what did you say jeff saw saw so like yeah we that's got a good we got that's a good, good. Uh, that's, plethora yeah we're putting us all on the spot including myself we did pretty good <laughs> yeah, a nice variety yeah, we didn't have yeah. to pause this or nothing. Come on, yeah, look at this guy. Yeah. Like saying, like, we should pause and think I didn't it. even have to look at him. Normally, I'm like looking at, at like top 10 lists. Yeah, here's <laughs> oh, that one. filmography. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, uh, this, was a, this was a pretty good uh, month, I'd say. And uh, thank you for listening to our uh, podcast about t- toy soldiers. If yeah. You, uh, if you like what's been going on, uh, remember to subscribe and like any of our posts or uh, or episodes in Spotify and YouTube. You, and you could also even Spotify. stalk us if you want. Yeah, I'm not into that. You can do Jimmy. Yeah. Um, Jimmy just wants people to follow. Uh, no, I, no, no. I want to be specifically stalked. I want to know what it's like. Okay. Not I know people <laughs> that have been stalked is the worst. Oh, um, be careful what you wish for, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Watch. Um, I'm gonna get like the well, worst. Funny you should bring this up. Stalking has a big element in next month's episode. Uh, mm. May 1991 asks one of the biggest questions of the year. What about Bob? Ah. Oh, yes. Yes. I love <laughs> what about Bob. I. I set it Jimmy up. Episode. I set it up. I knew yeah. what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. This was yeah. when we did in the beginning of the year, we chose what we were going to do for 1991. Jimmy decided to go to sleep because he hadn't slept at all. And the three of us were pretty much picking and we were like, that's the Jimmy pick. Jimmy's going to get it. And by the three of us, it's like you you and Corey were picking and I was just like, yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. that August. August is all you, buddy. Yeah. So... All right. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you next month.
over. <laughs>